Many of you know Lynn Mann. He's in the hospital, Arnett IU, in room 626. There's a card out on the table uh, that you may sign, and Steve Henry will take it to him. Steve usually takes donuts to him. I don't know whether he can do that in the hospital or not. I read from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 12. For we do not proclaim other ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Do you know what amphorae are? They are distinctive, but two-handled clay jars used by Greek and Roman merchants to transport wine. Some amorae were glazed and intricately decorated, intended for use by the upper classes. However, most of them were not fancy because they were made from common red clay. The typical amphora weighed about 100 pounds when full. Sailors would stack them in the holds of their ships and lace them together with ropes through the handles to stabilize them in rough weather. Once the amphorae had been delivered and their contents consumed, the empties were not returned to their point of origin. That cost more than the jars were worth. They were smashed and discarded. There is a hill in Rome near the river Tiber. The hill is more than 100 feet high and nearly a kilometer 
around. This is not a natural hill at all. It is a pile of fragments of nearly 53 million clay jars. In the 20th century, bottles, glass bottles were used. Remember those green glass Coke bottles? Until states started putting a deposit on them, you could see them everywhere. Now, today, the glass bottle has been replaced by the discarded plastic bottle. Bottles all the way from the two liter soda bottles to the six ounce plastic water bottles. There are so many plastic bottles bobbing in the world's oceans that they have become an environmental catastrophe in the making. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch is a huge floating raft of millions of discarded plastic items. It is not only a danger to marine life, but it is also a danger to navigation. Captain Charles Moore is credited with the discovery of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is a slowly rotating spiral of waste. He says, as I gaze from the deck at the surface of what ought to be a pristine ocean, I was confronted as far as the eye could see with the sight of plastic. It seemed unbelievable, but I never found a clear spot. In the week it took to cross the subtropical high, no matter what time of day I looked, plastic debris was floating everywhere. Bottles, bottle caps, wrappers, fragments. Let's think some more about common vessels. Whether composed of the red clay of the ancient world, the glass of the 20th century, or the polyethylene of the 21st century, disposable beverage containers have long been with us. Actually, the container of, is of little consequence. It's the contents that they hold is the most important. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it's surely a disposable beverage container Paul has in mind. Most likely, it is a clay amphora. When he writes, but we have this treasure in clay jars so that we may be made, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Corinth was a major port. Undoubtedly, the wharves of Corinth Harbor were stacked with thousands of amphorae waiting to be loaded onto ships. We can imagine the Apostle Paul remembering that distinctive sight as he writes to the Corinthians. 
It is a visible, visual aid uh, they knew well. Ancient amphorae indeed held treasure. Wine in that day was more than a beverage. It was liquid wealth. There was only one way the ancient farmer could ship their grapes. Today we have refrigerated cargo haulers, ships, trucks, rail cars, and airplanes. The solution for the vineyard owner back then was to stump the grapes into pulp, let the juice drip down into collection vats, and then ferment. Now, while wine is perishable, but with its alcohol content, it is far, like less, far less likely to spoil than the original grapes. <coughs> Paul was a common apostle. A clay jar is an appropriate metaphor for Paul. As he writes to the Corinthians about how God uses ordinary people to bear divine truth to their neighbors. He and his helpers have evidently become the target of certain detractors who have charged them with seeking recognition for themselves as he goes about his apostolic work. He, rely, he replies in verse five, not so. You've got us all wrong, for we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. Paul really does not want to become the object of the attention in his preaching and teaching. He wants the limelight to shine on Jesus the Lord. As for Paul himself, he wants the label to be slave for Jesus' sake. He rather, it's rather extraordinary that this apostle, born into the tribe of Benjamin, schooled as a Pharisee and a great speaker, turns his back on fame and gives all glory to Christ. He says to them, I'm just the container, the clay jar. Pay no attention to me. Focus your praises on the one I'm bringing to you, Jesus the Lord. The outward form of Paul the apostle is not the point. The important point is the message he bears. The good news of Jesus Christ and that is worth paying attention to. Now, can we lose our ambition? This is a hard thing for most of us to wrap our minds around because we have been so carefully schooled to value ambition and achievement. Yet, in our Christian faith, we have a treasure surpassing anything we ourselves could possibly achieve. And it's a gift. It is totally free and undeserved. 
all we need to do is to reach out and gratefully claim it. Ambition is a wonderful thing. We do well to encourage our children to be ambitious, to work hard, and to make a success of themselves. Yet we also do well to teach them that ambition can be a two-edged sword. Even the most brilliant success is but a rude clay pot compared to the surprising worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. I close with this story from Anthony DeMello's book, The Song of the Bird. It's the story of a humble barber who was passing by a tree that turned out to be haunted. From out of the tree, the barber heard the voice, would you like to have seven jars of gold? Looking around, he saw no one. He couldn't imagine where the voice was coming from, but he, his greed had been aroused, and so he shouted eagerly, yes, I certainly would. Then go home at once, said the voice. You will find them there. The barber ran all the way home. It turned out to be just as the ghostly voice had promised. There sitting by the hearth were seven jars, six of them filled to the brim with gold, and the seventh, which was only half full. Of course, the barber was delighted with the unexpected gift, but something bothered him. He could, bear the, could not bear the thought of having a half-filled jar. He knew that somehow he had to fill it. If he didn't, he could never be happy. So he took all his wife's jewelry and begged his family and friends to loan them their gold. He threw them into the half-filled jar, but the jar was enchanted. No matter how much treasure he threw in, it remained half full as before. He saved and scrimped and, charged and starved his family, but he could never bring the level of the seventh jar any higher. One day he asked for an audience with the king and demanded that his salary be doubled. The king agreed, but still, it was no good. The jar devoured each piece of gold he flung into it. When the king summoned the barber to cut his hair, he noticed how desperate and unhappy the man looked. What's wrong with you, he asked. You used to be so happy when your salary was smaller. Can it be that you have been given seven jars of gold? The barber was astonished to hear him. Who told you that, your majesty? The king laughed. I know the symptoms. The ghost once offered the jars to me. When I asked if the money could ever be spent or was merely to be hoarded, 
He vanished without a word. Take it from me. That money can never be spent. It only brings with it the compulsion to hoard. Go and return the seven jars to the ghost this very minute. You will be a happy man once again. So he did, and so he was. And so will we be if we look not to the earthen jar that is our lives, but to the treasure of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit has caused us to bear. Amen.